Hello, hi, I'm Zanzi, and welcome back to the Health for Mzanzi podcast, episode 106. Proudly brought to you by Health for Mzanzi. I'm your host, Joe, and I'm so excited to walk this health and wellness journey with you. Remember, nothing is of limits. Research tells us that women are twice as more prone to depression than men. To understand these findings, we need to discuss the factors that contribute to it and how women can find a solution to these factors that they might have no control over. Chatting with us, we have Dr. Erika Munich, Associate Professor in the Department of Psychology at the University of the Western Cape and clinical psychologist. Dr. Munich, how are you doing here and I'm doing well? I know it is very busy, so thank you so much for being part of this conversation. Before we get into the discussion, can you please just share what it is that you do? That would be a great place to start off. I'm an associate professor in the Department of Psychology, and I teach on undergrad as well as postgraduate level. One of my areas of expertise is psychological assessment, but I also do clinical supervision for the student psychologist in training at University of the Western Cape. I also, a clinical psychologist, registered at the HPSA, Health Professions Council of South Africa, and I've got a limited private practice, you know, that I also run in the Brockenfell area. That was quite a mouthful. There's a lot going on, Dr. Munich, on your side. We're busy as academics, you know, we're busy, but nice to basically, you know, be in clinical practice as well as doing research and being able to lecture. Dr. Munich, we're focusing on why women specifically are prone to, for example, depression or anxiety. But before answering that question, can we understand what is depression exactly? You know, so I think some people can just maybe confuse it just with feelings of feeling sad, but we know that there is a wider definition of it. So can you maybe just give us more insight on that? If we look at depression, depression is one of the most prevalent conditions. So it's worldwide type of recognized. And it is categorized under mood disorders, which basically means that the common feature of the mood disorders basically is affect. So if we look at depression in itself, you know, there's a few type of different conditions that we usually look at. The most prevalent one of those are major depressive disorder which basically we look at specific symptoms to diagnose depression. And some of the major type of symptoms that we're looking at, first of all, is that sadness that you're talking about. And then also for women specifically, you know, it is isolating for men as well. But one of the common features for women, men usually type of react in terms of agitation, whilst women is more prone to type of isolate themselves. We usually say it's a lack of interest and pleasure in things. So a common feature is feeling hopeless and helpless. And then like you've basically almost socialized before, you are not able to socialize. You're not able to go to work. So you isolate yourself more and more. Some of the other symptoms that we also are looking at when we're looking at depression just generally is what we call vegetative symptoms, and that is a difficulty either to go to sleep and stay asleep, or it might also present as just wanting to sleep the whole time. 
There's sometimes difficulty eating, so eating too much because you're so stressed or eating too little. And then there's also difficulty with concentrating. So usually in terms of work, there is difficulty with memory and there is difficulty to engage productively, you know, at work. They're the same way as previously. And then in severe type of situations, we also, you know, when you think negatively the whole time and the feelings of sadness and anger that's sometimes there, you also act type of destructively, you know, and, and these we look at a suicidal ideation, you know, or feelings that life is not worth living anymore. When we look at mood and we look at depression, we also look at intensity. So it is usually, you know, more than just being stressed. And we also look at duration. So for major depressive disorder, for instance, we look at a period of two weeks where the symptoms prevails, whilst with something like depressive, persistent depressive disorder, also called the stymia, there is these types of symptoms that basically occur for more than two years. So it's a chronic type of a depression that we are looking at. We all sometimes have these symptoms, but it is yeah. intensity and it is the, you know, the impact that it has on our homes and in work that basically, you know, have to be disruptive for us to look at, at depression, then, you know, diagnosable type of a depression. Yeah. Dr. Munich, I'm glad you made mention of that because I'm listening to, to the factors that you are identifying. And I mean, it's so possible for one to feel hopelessness or to feelings of sadness or anger or to maybe struggle to sleep maybe one night or two nights, but to diagnose the, the state as, as depressive or depression, do we then, like you said, look at maybe the duration and the intensity of it? That is basically it. Lots of these signs and symptoms we can identify in ourselves. And yeah. sometimes, you know, all of us sometimes have difficulty sleeping or have difficulty eating or even feel helpless and hopeless because situations type of mitigated. But it is the intensity and the severity and the, and the duration that helps us to identify depression. I had a quick look at some of the statistics early this morning. And at the moment, depression is diagnosed in about 280 million people worldwide. So it's one of the most common type of conditions, prevalent conditions that we have, only second to generalized anxiety disorder. So depression and anxiety, and I know that that is one of the questions most probably that you yeah. have as well, goes hand in hand a lot of the time. That's actually what I wanted to ask. Does a state of depression lead to other sort of disorders? You mentioned anxiety, other maybe, you know, like an eating disorder. So are there other disorders that depression can lead to? What we usually, you know, the term that we use is comorbidity. Okay. So basically, you know, it, it is in the same type of package as, for instance, depression. You could have symptoms of depression, but there's symptoms of anxiety as well. So if you look at anxiety, for instance, first of all, it's like depression. If you're depressed, you know, there's chronic type of feelings of worry as well. Worry about daily activities, worry about work. And as soon as that worry like for with depression, actually becomes maladaptive. So if you can't cope with it at all, 
Then yeah. anxiety and depression basically are both there, are diagnosable together or comorbid. Some of the other conditions, uh, you know, that there's it is also comorbid with depression a lot of the times yeah. means substance use disorders. So one of the coping mechanisms a lot of the times when you feel hopeless, you feel sad, you feel that life is not worth living, you would grab alcohol, for instance, and alcohol use becomes type of chronic or even uh, some of the other substances as well to help you to make to feel better. Yeah. So substance use is another one. You've mentioned eating disorders. There's some comorbidity, but it is important to also note that the presence of one doesn't mean that the other one is going to be present as well. Um, okay. To really suss out in terms of symptoms, like we do, for instance, for diabetes, if you look at the more medical conditions, there are certain symptoms that we need to be able to see before we able, for instance, have comorbidity of a substance use disorder, as well as, as a mood disorder, you okay. know, for instance. And then evidence suggests that twice as many females are prone to depression. What sort of factors are more prevalent on the female side? That's an interesting question, and, you know, and our research shows us that twice as many women is susceptible to depression than men. And there's a few reasons for that. We usually use the biopsychosocial model to try to understand that. And basically what that means is we, first of all, it begins with genetics. If we look at studies that's being done, if you look at first-degree relatives, and what I mean by that is if you look at studies where a grandpa or a grandma or gogo basically had depression, that is now just generally, and it's not only women, this is genetic predisposition for somebody that has a family line of depression, a vulnerability almost to develop depression as well. So what I'm saying is research shows that it's in the genes to a certain yeah. So that's the first thing that's important to understand. Then we also know in terms of the women's genetic type of makeup, hormonal influences play a big role as well. So as women, there are huge type of hormonal changes that we have lifelong. And we could look at adolescence, for instance, developing there. Yeah. We could also look at childbirth, for instance, and we have postnatal depression that comes into play. As in also menopause that's there. So hormones actually, you know, research shows us that plays a very, very important role. And there's also been research done on brain structures as well. You know, so women are more type of sensitive to a certain extent than men and display more type of emotions easier than men. And that forms part of the type of acceptability or vulnerability towards developing depression. However, it doesn't mean that all women will experience depression. Mm. So we look at the genetics on the one side, we look at hormonal influences, we look at brain structure, but very, very importantly, we have to look at the environment as well. So if we look at women and we look at the way that our roles has changed as women, so many, many moons ago, you know, women didn't join workforce. They were at home. They were primary type of caregivers for children. And that was the predominant type of traditional roles. Now, women, you know, for quite a long time now, 
women has joined the workforce, which means yeah. that we have different caps that we put on. We have to be active in our role and in our careers, but we also predominantly, and that has shifted a little bit, but predominantly we assume the roles as primary caregivers as well. So environmentally, with all of these type of caps that we put on and the way that the world has changed as well, a lot of responsibilities place on women in terms of roles. And then if we look at community-wise as well, if we look at South African context, for instance, there's trauma that's happening. There's major life changes that's happening as well. And all of that, if you throw it into one pot, basically, in terms of vulnerability, we are more inclined then to present with depressive features or to move with depression. Thank you so much for highlighting that, Dr. Munich. It just seems that it's almost not the woman's fault if you're looking at what you mentioned, the hormonal and certain brain structures. It's almost not the woman's fault that they are then prone to depression. But how can we normalize this? Is it a matter of sharing information regarding this? Definitely. You know, information sharing is one of the very, very important type of aspects. Knowledge basically helps you to understand what's going on. For me, if I try to explain it usually, you know, awareness is the most important thing. If you're able to begin to recognize in yourself, these are the types of symptoms, you know, that I need to be on the lookout for and that I also need to look at intensity and duration. I need to understand, like I've just, you know, tried to highlight that it's a combination of, so it's not my fault, it is a combination of genetics and environmental factors, you know, that comes into play when you look at mood and mood disorders and when you look at depression specifically. So if I'm aware that certain things happens in my life and there's a change in my thoughts, so things like I will never be able to cope with this. It is always going to be like this. I am in a deep type of a pit that I am unable to get out of. And that basically links to emotions. I'm feeling mad, sad and bad. And that links to behaviors that I display. So I don't want to get out of bed. I withdraw myself from friends and families. I think that I can't speak to anybody, you know, so so behavior changes as well. If I'm able to begin to see that those thoughts, feelings and actions goes together and I begin to understand that it is very intense at the moment and it impacts the way that I socialize at home or do things at home and even at work, if I'm aware of that, I can begin to do something or I can begin to engage in the types of thoughts that I have or the types of feelings that I had, I can understand that. So the most important thing, Joanne, is first of all awareness and then what am I doing about this? Well, I need to reach out. I need to tell, even though it's very difficult, family members how I feel. If they don't understand if I've got a religious affiliation, speak to my priest about it. I need to speak to my friends about it. If that doesn't work, I need to consult with somebody that will understand. And in the South African context, we have people, you know, in the form of South African Depression and Anxiety Group, SADA. Yes, SADA, yeah. Very, very prominent, you know, in the South African context. So it's just a phone call away. 
or even any type of a professional. So it depends on the intensity of what you're feeling. If there is a risk involved, reach out. You know, try to speak to somebody. Try to speak to a professional to yeah. help you. Pick up the phone. Phone to, to just get that sense of support. For you yourself, if you begin to see the symptoms, there are specific things that you can do that make you feel better. We know exercise, and not all of us, you know, are able to or love exercising, but we know exercise helps to reduce stress. We know that engaging with things that you like, for instance, music is calming for certain people. We know that doing something, for instance, for me, if I feel stressed, Packing and unpacking cupboards to just feel a sense of order. Yeah. To calm, calm down. You know which conducive way helps for you. Try to break up huge tasks into smaller little tasks because that would give you the type of support, you know, or feeling of accomplishment that you yeah. need. Just getting out of bed is already a huge accomplishment when you feel depressed. So that are just, you know, uh, thinking about things. Watching TV would help for some people. Listening to music. Yeah. You know, engaging in things that you like. Something like just, and I know water restrictions are there, but just taking a nice shower, you know, and visualizing something that you like. I just begin to help you to change your catastrophic type of thought pattern. Yeah. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the Health from Zanzi podcast. For more on our mental health and women chat, check out healthformzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical jam or just curious about some health and wellness trends, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za or send a message to 076-132-0454. Yeah, we don't blue tick. So there you have it, gals and guys. Factors that might lead to depression and various other comorbidities are sometimes things that we cannot control. Continue to normalize these discussions so that awareness can be raised. Once people are aware, they can make informed decisions regarding the help they need and where they can access it. Until next time, keep well, stay healthy. Signing out, your girl Joe.